WeChat probably actually has more data than Facebook, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Just because all the payment processing and the plane tickets and train tickets that you can book on there, you can even book hotels. Like WeChat knows if you like, uh, if you're cheating your marriage because you're booking hotels when your <laughs> wife is 2,000 miles away. We stand today. The Business Method the business with method. a shout out. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to the Business Method Podcast, where we examine the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. Our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we wanted to get behind the minds the logic and the science of what it takes to build a business like this we've had some incredible guests like bobby edwards the founder of squatty potty who built a 35 million dollar per year company with just 17 employees and jp sears the youtube superstar whose videos are going viral all over the internet i'm your host chris reynolds and we hope you enjoy the show the business method Listeners, welcome back to the show. Could you imagine being 21 years old, having a successful company with employees, and being a major influencer in the online world? I know I could. Jason Wong is a second time returning guest to the show. We interviewed Jason in early 2017, right after he released the Holy Meme Bible and selling $200,000 worth in the first three weeks. Jason is back on the show to chat about the second release of the Holy Meme Bible, a forward-thinking process of team-building Instagram TV, and the lesser-known social media platform that harvests more data than Facebook. You guys, it's a great episode, and without further ado, let's hop into the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. And you guys, I'm really happy to welcome Jason Wong back to the show. Jason, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Where Where are you calling in from today? I'm currently in Irvine, California. That's your home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've yep. seen you've been at, um, up to some travels over the past year since we last talked, I guess. Where where have you been traveling to? Uh, I was in Italy. I was traveling around Rome, France, yeah, all over Europe, and then I was in Hong Kong for a little bit. Really fun experience. I remember talking last year and that you were kind of feeling out the location-independent digital nomad lifestyle. I'm curious, have you implemented more travel and location independence in your life in the past year? I have, actually. So I I was just working out of Canada, uh, specifically in Toronto, and traveling around Asia and doing work there, too, just because I have to travel to Asia sometimes for, like, product inspection and working with my suppliers so it works out uh, I have been pretty location independent for the past years traveling around and working but I do have like a home base in Los Angeles so I've been here most of the year can you explain the importance or the significance of having that location independence in your business has it played a major role definitely helps to travel to meet people that I work with around the world just because mm-hmm. I work a lot in on the internet and in the digital space that 
um, some of my partners and people that I do business with are in outside the U.S. So uh, traveling definitely helps to meet in person and solidify the connection. Yeah, I agree. I, I was talking about this the other day with another guest on the show that location independence is really in a, a, a currency in many forms because you can actually, you know, if you're doing business in Hong Kong or China or need to do business somewhere, because you have that freedom, whether you make a lot of money or not, you can actually open up a world of opportunities to yourself and to your business just because you have the ability to go to Bali and do some business, you know, over a week. And and before, back in the day when we had less digital businesses happening, that was a really hard thing to do and something the only, only the rich could do. Yeah, yeah I, I think traveling has became so affordable in the past decade that you can travel now to London for $600 on trip on economy. Yeah. And for that, maybe that was just three dinners in LA with someone pretty important, but you can fly <laughs> to London to meet with someone, um, you know, of similar statue. And I personally found that to be very helpful, just traveling to a place and meet them. It shows that you're committed. Yeah. And sometimes that may be um, the signal for them to sign with you just because they, it shows how committed you are. And sometimes you don't even have to meet uh, someone at their home destination. You can travel. Like um, two months ago, I was traveling with some business partners to Mexico in Cancun, mm -hmm. uh, just having a little four-day weekend traveling around doing ATV. And that really helped us solidify our friendship and relationship. So it's good to have that independent to travel. Um, it's nice to solidify relationships that way, I believe. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So what have you been up to the past year, man? I, I, I know a little bit of the stuff. I think you released a second version of the Holy Meme Bible. Um, and I know you've been traveling around the world and doing some other projects. What, a, what are you working on these days? Yeah, so really excited. The last time that we spoke was when I first released the first Meme Bible. And mm -hmm. since we talked, um, I've expanded my product catalog to seven products now. Back mm -hmm. then, when we first talked, it was just one. Uh, now, the company is doing amazing numbers just because we have products that are uh, suited for the year round, whereas previously, one of our products is more seasonal. Now, we have a product line that works in every single month of the year. Uh, by then, we can scale up a lot faster and a lot bigger numbers. So, really excited to keep making products. I think that's one of my main roles in the company is to do product development. What's your vision for the for the company? Um, eventually, I like to sell it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think that's the goal for most CEOs to eventually get an acquisition offer, because uh, no one really wants to keep being on the treadmill the, their entire life, right? Eventually, you will have to have an exit. So, uh, I think my goal right now is to keep building great products, great companies that are suitable for acquisition in two years. And that's the cycle that I'm going for. Very cool. Are you setting, are you designing your team up in a way to where that's already possible? Like they know that's something that, that may happen in the next few years? Currently, I don't think our team is big enough for it to be a smooth transition. Whereas like, you know, if I'm gone, then the team will lack direction. So I think that's one of the things that I will need to implement uh, in the next few months is some person with a solid leadership role that can take over if in the case that I'm no longer CEO due to acquisition offers. So uh, that's definitely something that I need to work on. It, it is my first potential acquisition. Mm 
So mm-hmm. a lot of kinks that I haven't worked out yet, and a lot of things that I have to learn. Uh, you know, they don't teach this in school, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, how old are you now, Jason? Twenty. I uh, just turned twenty-one. Oh, happy birthday! Congratulations. When was your birthday? Thank you. Uh, June. June what? Mine's June eighteenth. Six. June six. I'm June six. Right on, man. Yeah. Um, what'd you do? Well, first I have to ask, what'd you do for your twenty first? Very first small dinner. <laughs> ah, right. Okay, no uh, big I, party or anything. No, no, not really, because I've done that the past few years. Like I've spent my birthday in Vegas the past few years before twenty one. For you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I somehow always get in. So <laughs> there, the novelty of drinking and the novelty of partying in Vegas kind of wore off by the time I was twenty one. So I just didn't <laughs> do it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, for my 21st, I got a six pack of beer with my dad and three really good friends. And that was it. And we shared the six pack and we drove around like the countryside of Missouri. And it was nice. That was a better memory, I think, than going out and like, you know, going hard on the town. Cause I, and I'm, I was like you, I had done the same thing. I had, I'd been there, done that and wasn't, didn't need to do it again for my birthday. So, uh, kudos, man. And, and I, I have to ask you because, you know, speaking to you both last year and then kind of following you on social media over the past year and speaking to you now, um, you're very uh, wise for your age, which I'm sure you've heard a million times, but also talking to you, you know, and I interview entrepreneurs that have been in the game 20 years making eight figures. And some of the things that you say are very similar to some of the things that they say, probably because you have this entrepreneur spirit and mindset, but also I think you have something um, that uh, a lot of 20 year olds just don't. And I'm curious, like how, what's your view on leadership and your take on leadership when building your company and working for the vision and working with the team to create that? I have this belief that everyone in your team should become their own boss in a way that they should see everything that's working for themselves and rather working for the company. I think once you instill that type of mentality in your team, everything goes a lot more smoothly. Like you give people the autonomy to make decisions, whereas previously they're very afraid to make decisions and become innovative. So uh, going with that model, a lot of our team members start suggesting things that normally people just want to suggest because maybe it's too radical, maybe they think it's too expensive. But once we give them the freedom to make decisions and make suggestions as well, um, people start being a lot more creative on our team. And a lot of our great product ideas came from those kind of sessions. Mm. And then what's your process of bringing people onto the team? Like, how do you interview and how do you weed, <clears throat> weed out the right pe- the wrong people and bring on the right people? So, like... Uh, a lot of teams, when they interview, they interview for like skills and merits. And obviously, we do keep those things in check, but most of the time, it's compatibility. Uh, that's one of the main focus because a lot of skill sets that we do in our team can be developed. It's not really hard to do um, the research that we do or the type of development that we do. Like Everything can be taught, but as long as you're compatible, um, that's the first step towards building a really good team. Like You want to have team chemistry. So we do a lot of personality tests. We do a lot of like in-person interview with our team members. Um, and, you know, the skill sets, if if they're interning or interviewing for marketing, then obviously they will have some background, some portfolio, some experience working with other firms. That will be preferred. 
But what I mostly look at is compatibility. Gotcha. So you're, um, are you guys putting a lot of time and attention in social media these days? We do. That's our bread and butter. We're most of our focus is on right now because our product is very social media based. So we always have to be on top of trends, on top of whatever's happening in the world right now and take advantage of it as soon as we can. What do you see that's working these days on social media? Where are, do you guys focus more on Instagram, Facebook, you know, other platforms? <laughs> Instagram is sort of main focus right now, and in particular, short-form content like Instagram stories. Uh, in our experience, we're seeing a large shift in attention span for users on different platforms. So that's why Snapchat became really popular back in the days, and Vine was really popular because content has become shorter and people's attention span has also become shorter. Um, Snapchat's obviously kind of getting overpowered right now by Instagram stories, so we're focusing a lot on Instagram stories. and. To do that, we do a lot of media buying on Facebook, targeting uh, Instagram story formats. And so far, our return has been great, in particular for the story format, just because people like to watch stories more than they like to scroll down their feed. What's your thoughts? Instagram recently released uh, IGTV. So I'm kind of curious, have you guys jumped on the bandwagon for that yet? No, not yet. We just... As a brand, we haven't really had a bunch of content that are ready for Instagram TV, but I do see a bright future in it. It's been great using the platform myself personally, uh, but I'm not sure if I have any plans for the brand venturing into IGTV. Do you think that will take off? Excuse me? Uh, I, IGTV, do you think it'll take off? Um, I think with enough influencers producing content, that are native to Instagram TV, it, it should be. Uh, it's very interesting as a format. Like they want you to shoot in vertical and they want you to shoot in like completely new formats that people can just easily repurpose content and make it look, you know, smooth. They have to actually try to make their uh, their screenplays, all their, um, I guess, their clips applicable to the vertical format. So it's really interesting to see what people can produce on there and it really boils down to the influencer like people go on platforms because they want to see their favorite actors their favorite youtubers their favorite fine stars so if instagram is able to secure a good number of influencers producing content for them on a consistent basis i think there's a future for it and i have to ask you how's your feelings about tumblr i know you got a huge following back in the day over two million people and then that's what kind of helped you launch the holy meme bible and uh, how's your feelings about Tumblr these days? Uh, I think it's fell down a, a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just due to... I, I don't really know what was the last draw for it, but it's been on the downhill ever since 2015, I believe. Um, well, they kicked you uh, off, right? The, yeah. and That was the, the last draw, the about, right? When they kicked you off, it was going downhill from it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. No, the... The reason is not just because I got kicked off, it's because a bunch of other influencers got kicked off around the same time. Yeah. And when there's a lack of influencer pushing traffic to a site, there's no more traffic. Uh, a lot of content that we produced on Tumblr back in my days was being repurposed and being recycled on Instagram and on Twitter. Like people were getting content from Tumblr, uh, like screenshots and clips onto in Twitter and Instagram format. So once those influencers cease to exist, there's no more content to promote Tumblr on 
platforms outside Tumblr. So the lack of new users signing up and their old users dying down because of no more influencers to look to mm-hmm. kind of led to the downfall of the platform, in my opinion. Do you see any any open spaces in the social media realm that uh, that could be filled? So, for example, like Tumblr came in, um, got a following and kind of died. Snapchat came in, got a huge, massive following. Still pretty powerful, but Instagram's kind of taking over. Do you feel any feel like there's any holes in the social media space? Right now, yeah. um, I, I, I think not many platforms can fill the hole that Tumblr could fill. I, I think that uh, as a user, there's a lot of content on Tumblr that just aren't replicable on different other platforms. Like Tum- Tumblr allows you to make long threads, uh, allows you to make multimedia uh, videos that are longer than 240 seconds, which is what you know Twitter caps are at. And Instagram captures at one minute, and then now you have to go to Instagram TV. So I think not many platforms can fill in the role that Tumblr can have, like in terms of building communities, because that's really what Tumblr was, like communities of people with different passions, um, whereas Twitter and Instagram is kind of just a, a blend of your friends' content. So I think that is still a hole that a platform still exists to make, but not many people use it, which is Tumblr right now. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's always interesting to see the social media, uh, well, any platforms come up and it get really big and get some momentum and then all of a sudden crash and not crash, but or, or crash or slowly decay because, you know, you have a new video platform. What was that? Periscope. Periscope. Yeah. And it was huge, yeah. right? Everybody, oh, you got to get on Periscope. You got to do this. And, it, you know, me personally, I'm just hesitant to get on another platform. Like, I just want to just stay on Facebook and, and, and Instagram, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, it gets some momentum and then it kind of dwindles down and dwindles down. So it's like an inter- interesting phenomenon. But then when one catches, like, people felt the same about Instagram or like, you know, I have a friend that was in San Fran when Instagram was um, just starting out. And he was like, he saw him do a presentation. He was like, oh, yeah, you're going to put photos on the Internet on another app and you're going to be bigger, <laughs> change the world bigger than anybody else. And now they did. Right. So it, it's kind of curious to see this whole tr- not trend, but this just live in this time to see these these social media, you know, the 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 different platforms come out and see how they survive and how they die. I mean, it's definitely uh, cool to see it from birth to death. <laughs> like any platform, <laughs> it's, it's interesting for my end because I've lived through it. Like I've been on social media before Snapchat was created. I've been on social media before Instagram was created. So uh, for me as a 21-year-old to be able to see a cycle of a, a giant, a social media giant from birth to death, uh, I find it very fascinating, but it also teaches us a lot of lessons for like management. Because if you look at a lot of these stuff, it failed due to management. Like Vine, they failed to um, manage their influencer properly, so all the influencers just staged like a like a huge leave out, and then they all left the platform. So the platform died. Tumblr did the same thing. Um, what else? Um, Periscope didn't really have much traction to begin with. It was just kind of riding off 
uh, Twitter. So I don't know. It's just interesting on my end as a marketer and as a social media user. If you were going to create the perfect social media platform from your point of view, what would that look like? Mm, I, I honestly feel like Facebook and Instagram is a perfect tool for <laughs> everything that we need to do already. <laughs> yeah, like I, I wouldn't create another one because anything that you create can e- be easily copied, yeah. as we have seen. <laughs> so it just never makes sense for you to create anything. Like you don't want to be like the Instagram for something. Like right. Instagram just take take that any moment and you're gone. There's yeah. no point. Yeah, they just swallow them up. And and I mean it's it's. It's good and bad, I guess, in both ways. But do you know much about WeChat in China? Yeah, I do. Uh, I okay. Yeah, now that you brought that up, uh, I I would say WeChat's one of the top uh, platform. I would say, yeah, in terms of being able to do essentially anything. Like for listeners that don't know WeChat, WeChat allows you to book your plane ticket, your train ticket on the spot. Allows you to pay for virtually anything in China. And the the reason that WeChat was so widely accepted is because they make payment processing so easy. If you look at like Apple Pay and like Android Pay in America, for a merchant to receive that pay, they have to spend five hundred bucks for a POS that accepts Apple Pay, like allows you to scan it with the NFS. For WeChat, all you have to do is print out the QR code on a piece of paper, tape it onto your counter, and your customers can come in and scan the QR code to pay you. Essentially, zero cost for any vendors to accept WeChat Pay. So, I, I think WeChat is onto something really big here. I think so too, and I think that that I think if eventually Facebook will start following them in some sort of fashion, because I think that that's going to have to catch on. And I, I think that Facebook has a little bit kind of followed them, but even more so in the future, because if not, somebody's going to take over and and dominate the the non-chinese markets for something similar to wechat yeah i i think the wechat market it's unbeatable in china like facebook can not go in even without the firewall assuming that all firewalls are taken down i still think that wechat has a huge holding on it because wechat's uh parent company tencent and tencent was one of the first few companies to make instant messaging in the world uh, it's called QQ. So that was before AIM came out, before AOL came out. Um, so I think that if Facebook's trying to fight uh, WeChat, they have to look at their parent company, which is essentially a Facebook but four times bigger. <laughs> yeah. Do you think WeChat has more? I mean, you know, we saw the whole thing with um, Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and, and uh, the, the election of Trump and Brexit and all this. WeChat probably actually has has more data than Facebook, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, just because all the payment processing and the plane tickets and train tickets that you can book on there, you can even book hotels. Like WeChat knows if you like uh, if you're cheating your marriage because you're booking hotels when your <laughs> wife is two thousand miles away. Like oh, uh, the wow. amount of data that, and this is a Chinese government. You have to understand that. Like the Chinese government obviously collects a lot more data than any other government in the world. Uh, for you know whatever purposes like we start having like facial recognition systems in place nowadays in china just to catch criminals or like keep people in check there's a social credit system called the sesame credit system Mm -hmm. um where essentially you're 
judge based on your social credit, like whether or not you throw trash on the floor or whether or not you're uh, behaving badly at your workplace. Like these are the systems that are being implemented right now, and there's a bunch of data to back those systems up. Does it make you nervous in any way that it, that a Chinese government has that much? information you know it's one thing for a, a non-government uh non-governmental entity like facebook to to have that information but for a government to have that you know in it, the first thing that comes to my mind is like well that's kind of scary like if the american government had as much information on us as wechat did um you know i i don't know if i'd feel free yeah i mean if you really think about it we, we're not <laughs> that's free uh if, if you look at like what kind of information that is on us right now uh-huh. maybe it's not as detailed as other countries have it but you know facebook tracks every single steps of you you can see where they track your stuff google maps does it and who knows what where these companies sell their data to right and what the the buyers do with your information so mm-hmm. And like we're talking about like a government entity, the government knows so much more than we think they do. So. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, they can peep in on our conversation on our podcast right now if they want to. Really, well, I mean, they probably have better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so, right? <laughs> so you guys have done really well in the past year, and I know when you launched the Holy Meme Bible, you you did like 200 grand in three weeks. Is that right? Yeah, um, this year we have a lot more products, so uh-huh. um, individual revenue per product is pretty on par. So we're pretty happy about scaling up from there. What's your? I'd like to know, just as is a younger guy, what's your long term vision for yourself as an entrepreneur? I really enjoy building brands and businesses that have impact on people's lives. Uh, I, I like to have like tangible impact like i like to see people use my stuff i like to see my stuff on shelves and stores uh, like seeing and feeling things i've created it's very satisfying to me so i'll probably be working towards that path for another product or for another company or maybe i'll start something else on there but i i think i'm a builder i'm a constant builder for whatever products and whatever vision that i have at the time yeah <laughs> Do you ever run out of steam when building a project? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes I just hit a wall. <laughs> what do you do um, when that happens? I've, I've been I've been spending a lot more time outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing a lot more like going to the park with a with a blanket, sit down on the grass, or um, you know, go to the beach, sit on the sand, and just filter out the noise from the phone from my computer and think. Uh, sometimes I go to concerts because it's so loud that it makes me try to become quiet in my head. Yeah, it, it sounds very like counterproductive, but I do that. Like I literally go to concerts because it's so loud that I have to try to keep quiet inside my mind. Uh-huh. And that's when I think. Like I get really good ideas from there. Yeah, it sounds weird, but I do that. No, that makes sense. I think the like <laughs> the rush of dopamine from a concert and the, the amount of music and and how intense that is could, without a doubt, like get us in the right space. I've been listening to um, songs that take me to another, not just another thought process, but like another level. So, like, I have two or three songs on my phone, and when I listen to them, I feel like I'm in that 
that that that mentality or that space where I've I've already accomplished everything I need to do in my life. Now I just need to work backwards to plan that all out. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Cool. Any other good product productivity hacks you have for us? Um, the usual: shut off your phone. Um, <laughs> I, I find I I find that I turn off notifications for my social media because I. I'm still somewhat of an influencer. I still make content, so I get a lot of notifications. And for me, I constantly have the need to check my Twitter notification whenever something tweets at me or something new comes up. And I actually turned off notification for Twitter uh, two months ago, and I found myself using it a lot less. So like turning off notification uh, is really helpful because there's absolutely no one that immediately needs you to like help them with something or need your immediate attention by Instagram DMs or Twitter DMs. Like they'll just call you if they have an emergency. So like anything that comes with a notification aren't really things that will add to your productivity or adds value to your day, in my opinion. Right on. That makes perfect sense. Cool, <laughs> buddy. Any other things you want to chat about before we sign off? Oh, no, I think we covered everything. <laughs> we did. We, we, we went deep into the social media world this time. Um, dude, I'm yeah. so, I'm so glad to have you back on the show. I really am honored that you'd uh, come back, and I know you're doing amazing things. I think I saw you on some some date, some morning TV show. What what TV show yeah, were yeah, you on yeah. recently? Which one were you on? Uh, I was on. I think I was on CBS San Diego for a cooking show, and then I was on like an LA uh, talk show, um, and then I was on like a morning radio show too. How do you get on those? Do they reach out to you, or do you do you reach out to them? Uh, they they usually reach out to us once they see like features and articles that they think is interesting. So we do get a lot of press, and once we get press, other press starts reaching out. It's more yeah. of a snowball. Well, congratulations for all your success, buddy. Maybe we'll have you back on the show a year next year. And if listeners want to reach out to you, where's the best place they can find you at? Um, look for me on Twitter. Uh, just search my name, Jason Wong. All right, we'll put the links in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time, Jason. And uh, listeners, thank you guys for joining us once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining the show. We wanted to remind you about our Get Shit Done one-on-one productivity coaching that we recently just launched. What we do is work with you to create big business goals that are absolutely game changers. We make a plan together and put you in our productivity hacking system that helps you stay on target. Each week, you get a call with yours truly about what steps to take for the following week. Some say it's like a year of productivity in just three months. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching. Thebusinessmethod.com forward slash coaching.